Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Today, I'm here with Eric Rogel, founder of the Bold Man Initiative. Eric, wonderful <laughs> to have you on the show. Hey, Steve. How are you, man? It's an honor to be here, truly. I'm real excited about today. So tell us, what are you working on now? I have the Boldman Initiative, and that is a collection of projects that we're doing primarily for men, and it is about moving men forward faster in their lives. So whatever area of your life that is, whether it be being a more influential and inspirational leader, if it's being a better father and role model, if it's being a more connected and passionate boyfriend or husband in your personal relationships or connecting with clients on a deeper level. It's really, who do you need to be in order to do that? Because I'm more about being than doing. And it's about who are you as a man? Who do you need to be in order to create this amazing life and really live your life to the fullest? Because so many of us, and I speak for myself, you know, mostly in this, grew up knowing there was more, knowing we could be more than we were. And so, you know, I went on my own personal journey and now paying it back to the, the mentors and role models that I had, the great men that, that helped me become who I am, kind of pay that back to the men that are a little further behind me on the path and, uh, and make their path a little easier and faster. Tell us a little about your journey, what yeah. you went through to come to this point. Hey, I'm going to go kind of back to the beginning. You know, I, I have a joke that my mother raised me like a veal. I had to be very soft and tender. I couldn't get bumped or bruised. I was kept inside very quiet. And that's really how she raised me. I, you know, she was a single mom. My dad was around, but he wasn't around. And, and listen, when I tell the story, Steve, one thing I want to make very clear to those that are listening, I have this thing about victimhood. So I'm not blaming, not a victim. They didn't do anything to me. When you look at it from perspective of they were doing the best they could with the tools that they had at the time, they were doing what they believed was right. And then I look at it was what the value is that I took from that experience. There's no blame. There's no victim. It's all good. So I want to make sure that everyone's kind of keeping that mindset, that mind frame as I tell this. So mom, being a single mom, raised my brother and I to be afraid of everything, to be very anxious. You know, everything was going to kill us. Everything was going to hurt us. So we had to be very kind of soft and quiet. And growing up, I knew that wasn't right. There was something in here that spoke to me that said, no, you know, part of the journey is getting hurt and bruised and bumped and bumping up against things and having to fight through challenges and learning how to really overcome these things in your life. And secondly, you know, my dad was, was a really great guy. I mean, he was an athlete. He was great looking. He had a great job. He had a motorcycle and a Corvette. And I mean, he had this, you know, incredible persona and people loved him. And, you know, mom was very hurt. So she would repeat to me over and over, don't be like your father. Eric, promise me you'll never be like your father. This is confusing to a, you know, 11, 12 year old boy who looks up to men as role models. So it really kind of led to some frustration and confusion and anger in my teen years. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of men that are listening have a similar experience. 
because in my work, I find that it is fairly common. But at the time, I felt very alone and like I was the only one who was going through this. So spent that my teen years very angry, very frustrated. How did that manifest itself? You know, that's a great question, Steve. Really great question. Because for me, I was not playing sports. Mom was afraid of sports. I was a very, very skinny, small child. Not anymore, <laughs> but I was back then. And, you know, so I really wasn't playing sports. So for me, it was like a lot of anger. I would, you know, I, I decided I wanted to work out. I wanted to get muscles when, you know, I was a teenager. That was the big thing. I wanted to be muscular. So I would go down and work out, but I would work out angry, you know, and I bought a heavy bag and I would just punch this heavy bag over and over and over. And I would have guilt about doing this, like releasing this anger. My mom would hear me. She'd get upset. Why are you so angry? And it would just be a cycle. And then I'd feel guilty about being angry and not... And again, this is all building up. And, and as men, so many of us go through this, right? We're trying to push that beast that's in us down rather than learn how to effectively and powerfully express it. So yeah, so I was very angry as a kid. And things I promised myself was when I went to college, I was going away to school. I would be out from mama and went to college. And I said, I'm going to explore this side of me. So the very first thing I did the first night in college, I saw a flyer for a martial arts, you know, club. Boom, I'm in. I'm joining the martial arts club. And I loved it. I was getting bumped and bruised and bones were getting broken. And I'm like, this feels natural. Feels like I'm getting stronger. I'm getting, you know, used to these bumps and bruises and setbacks and fighting through. And so I continued along that journey in my life, but I worked regular jobs. I was in the restaurant business. I ran restaurants. When I got out of college, I got into the internet in the late nineties when everybody got into the internet before the bubble burst. I had a company that produced interactive children's stories. We were using flash in a bubble burst and I got into print magazines. And then I was the creative director for print magazines. Through that, I actually ended up becoming a journalist. And for years, I was a men's lifestyle journalist, which was perfect because I got to explore that side, right? I was doing car reviews. Uh, I went to the Bob Bondurant Racing Academy and got to get my stock car racing license and learn how to handle a car. And then, you know, I would do adventure travel stories for Discovery Channel and other men's magazines. And I got to go rock climbing and on these expeditions and travel around the world and really started finding that this was part of my journey. This is really facing these challenges, facing these fears. Because again, like I mentioned at the beginning, Steve, I was raised to be fearful of everything. But now I was facing these fears and really loving it. So I kind of went on these adventure trips, did all this stuff around the world, left that and ran a, a financial publishing company for a while and realized my real passion and what I believe my purpose is helping guiding other men who have gone through what I've gone through to find their own passion and purpose. And especially men like in doing what you do, who are entrepreneurs, who are starting their own business, who are really, really, really good at whatever it is that they do. But now they've got to lead a team. Now they have to be the king at the head of all of this and run this team. And they may have families and they've got to kind of deepen those connections with the family. And how do you operate? And that was really became the next phase of my journey was doing that. And I was very fortunate. I went looking for role models and mentors found that there are amazing, amazing men out there. If you really look, there are incredibly amazing men out there. I'm paying this forward to other men, but they really taught me who I was and how to operate and how to lead and how to be a great 
you know, husband, boyfriend, father, role model, brother, leader, all of those things. And so that kind of in a nutshell is really kind of my journey. And, uh, and now I love what I do every day. I get up and I get to work with men. I get to work with companies and corporations and their leadership groups. I get to go on these amazing adventure travel. You know, I have the podcast that you know, Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes which are the four foundational archetypes that we go through. Men telling their stories about how they became the men they are. And it's inspirational and motivational and really speaks to who we are as men because that's really how we learn. I feel we learn more, not from sitting and being told what to do, but from stories of other great men and learning from each other and having that brotherhood. And so, yeah, that's just been um, kind of my journey and, and, and how I ended up where I am now. I know you have a deep philosophy. You had your mentors, your yeah. role models. Mm -hmm. And tell us how these role models shaped your philosophy. Yeah, another great question. And I love that. And it's really, there's one man in particular who I, I just cannot honor enough and say enough about. His name is Rob James. Talk about and honor other men, which was something I had a lot of difficulty doing in my life. I would look at other men as competition and want to find fault in them and tear them down. And then, so I was very alone. Rob became a friend and a mentor, and he really taught me the value of honoring other men, being in awe of other men and really respecting what they've accomplished. And then taking that on for myself, really integrating that for myself. So Rob's been a great mentor to me. He founded a work called Self-Discovery Life Mastery. Rob grew up as a, uh, he was a cowboy since he was eight years old. He was on a cattle ranch and he learned from great men who were men like Marlboro men from, you know, like the old West. These were guys, you know, they were throwback men that were cowboys and ranchers and just maverick sovereign men. And then he went into the Marines and, and he learned about leadership and camaraderie and, and brotherhood and all of that in the Marines and took that into his work. And I've been doing it for almost a decade now. And Rob's become a very close friend and mentor to me, personal mentor to me. And I am a big comic book geek. I love all the superhero stories, sci-fi, fantasy. I love all that stuff. Again, I grew up as a kid sitting quietly in the corner reading, and this is what I would read. I loved all these stories of heroes and men that I felt were who I wanted to be. So I watched Star Wars, Star Trek, comic books. You know, I'm a big Batman guy. So I love Batman. I read all of that and, <clears throat> and all these myths. And so I became a very big fan of Joseph Campbell. He was a you know, professor and he really was the foremost authority on myths and mythology. And he did a great series on PBS decades ago with Bill Moyers called The Power of Myth. And he's really where we get the phrase, the hero's journey from. He's the one that mapped out what he called the monomyth. And it was the hero's journey. And it's a circular journey. There's the descent and there's always the, the mystical guide, the sage. Then you become the king and the hero in return. There's the love part of it where, you know, you find your purpose or you might find your true love. And Joseph Campbell is the guy that George Lucas went to when he was writing Star Wars. He said, I want to write a space myth. And he took this classic story and you see how successful Star Wars was, right? And myths and legends from ancient times were still telling these stories. The most popular movies right now are superhero movies. They're basically just modern myths. So I really looked at this and I said, this is what we call the software of our souls. What I call the software of our soul. It speaks to us. That journey, uh, Campbell was so brilliantly discovered. And then men like, you know, Jung and Jungian psychology talked about archetypes and the anima and the animus, which is basically the masculine feminine that we all have in us. Men have the feminine energy, women have the masculine energy, and we balance this. 
So in looking at this, and we're working with Rob and kind of putting some of this together, I looked at the four main archetypes that we embody as we go on our journey, and they are the warrior, the lover, the king, and the hero. And so to give a really quick explanation of each, the warrior, that's the side of us that moves us forward. That's the one that gets us going. This is our strength, our power, our drive. And it's in all of us, male or female. The characteristics are things like courage and boldness and decisiveness and leadership and being a maverick and a guardian and all of these wonderful things that we need as leaders and especially as entrepreneurs that are starting our own businesses. But then we have the lover side. I call it the heart side sometimes because some guys can't get past when I say lover, their mind immediately goes to the bedroom, right? And it's got little to do with that. It's, it's the archetype of the lover, the heart side. And we need this. And this is one that I resisted on my journey because I had started in that. To me, it seemed weak. It's not. It's the most powerful side of us. Really unequal power is the warrior. And the lover side of us is things like wisdom and passion and creativity and playfulness and abundance being that guide. And so none of that sounds weak, does it, Steve? No. No. In fact, what I think you're saying is you need a balance of all of it. Exactly right. And so when you can balance your warrior and your lover and integrate them, really become both and embrace both and be able to step into each of those deliberately, that's when you're operating from king. King and you can command both sides because any good king needs both sides. Any good leader in a company needs both sides. Founders of these big, big companies who end up getting pulled out of their position because they're <clears throat> you're stuck in one or the other and they can't get them both integrated and become the king, become the queen and actually run the company using both the warrior and the lover side, which is very necessary because the warrior side of us is the one that makes those decisions, gets things moving, has the drive, gets it forward. Now, once you're doing that and it gets moving, you need that lover side to come in and use the creativity and the wisdom and the abundance and the nurturing and everything to make it grow and thrive. So you need to balance out both. If you're constantly driving forward, and we know, to me, Travis Kalanick from Uber is an excellent example of this. Amazing, amazing man, really brilliant, incredible idea, but they were going into cities and they were basically doing battle with the cities. We're coming in, we're going to do this. Boom. You know, he was warrior, full warrior. He got everybody on the team, full war. We're going in and they did it. I mean, it was mind-blowing how successful they were in getting into these cities. But then once it tipped, and the cities were like, all right, we got it, Uber, we need this in our city. And they would go and say, we need them. He's still in full-on warrior mode. And he's still, bah, 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 I want to fight you. Didn't make the transition to the lover side, the heart side, where it was like, okay, cool. Now we might grow this thing, partner with them, balance of both, become the king. And when it doesn't happen and you're still in that phase, either one or the other, it, you can't really operate. So it's so important, like you just said, to really balance those both out, have the ability to both. The example I give everybody, if you really want to think about this, think brave heart, right? They didn't call him brave head. It wasn't just brave. It wasn't just heart. It was both. And that's why he was so revered and loved by the people that followed him because he had a balance of both. And I know in Celtic cultures, they have this thing, the warrior poet is revered. Now, warrior poet is basically just warrior lover, just, just restated. So yeah, that balance is critical, especially when you're in a leadership position and especially, you know, you're a leader in your family as well. So it, it works at home or at work. I know that you run programs now. You actually take men, get them together, describe these programs and give us 
some concrete examples of like sure. of how it transformed them. Um, yeah, so I've, I have two programs right now that are running in this uh, that men can get involved in that are great. One is what's called the Bold Men Brotherhood Council. And that is, you know, a virtual thing where we meet and this is just launching. So it's, it's um, we had some iterations of it and I did some things with men online during COVID where we did some boot camps and things online. And now it's becoming this almost worldwide brotherhood where we get together online. And it's really about bringing back that where men really are there for men. So it's about brotherhood. There's a thing, Steve, that, that really bothered me. I was at an event and the speaker said there was a statistic that said 90 something percent of men said they do not have one good male friend they could turn to in time of crisis or challenge. I thought that number was high. I've seen numbers between 30 and 90%. In any case, anything over 2% to me is unconscionable. It shouldn't happen. We need each other as brothers. So that's really what the Boldman Brotherhood Council is about. I teach the warrior, lover, king, hero archetypes. We have the sacred seven core values that we live by also, which are courage, honesty, integrity, commitment, duty, honor, and love. And we show how do you live in those every day, be those every day, and step into your king and your hero. Hero is just king who no longer does for self or immediate. It's selfless service to others, right? Creating other kings and queens, bringing other people up, doing selflessly from the heart. And so we do that in the council. So it's part training and getting men to understand the four archetypes. And then it's also part mastermind group and accountability group and peer accountability group where it's, what are your challenges you're going through? What challenges are you going to give yourself? Because as men, you know, we, we love having challenge as founders, as entrepreneurs, the challenge is so great for us. We, we need these, what I call big, steep hills to climb put these mountains in front of us and let us go up them. That's what keeps us alive. So we do that with each other. We, we challenge each other to challenge ourselves. And we meet you know, regularly online and we do this with each other. It's a perfectly safe space for men to go in and share and be open and honest and real and raw. What happens in the Brotherhood Council stays in the Brotherhood Council. And so I've done those and the, the transformation on those is truly amazing. You know, I had one man who came in and, and what I loved about it was he was a math tutor. So lived in his head. It was all about intelligence and how intelligent he was. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to this. It was how I was as a kid. I was the smart kid, right? So that I wasn't the big kid. I wasn't the strong kid. I wasn't the athletic kid. I was the smart kid. And so I lived in my head because that was what got me where I needed to be. And so this was, was his experience. He was married, great guy. And I told him, I said, you know, listen, we have a saying, greatest distance in the universe is from here to here. There's no greater distance in the universe than getting out of your head and coming from your heart. And so we worked over the two and a half days of the boot camp, online boot camp. And he, the, after the first night, Steve, he had an amazing transformation and shift. He saw where he was talking to people from his head and he wasn't connecting and he was just waiting to like talk over them or, you know, interrupt them and do his thing rather than listen, feel, and then come from here, especially with his wife. And he told the story about there was a situation in the house that night. I honestly think it was his wife found a mouse in the house and she was just freaking out about it. And he said, Eric, I, you know, I, it was the next morning we were talking about our wins and the next morning because we celebrate victories, right? That's the big thing that we need to do as men too, is celebrate victories. And he said, this huge win last night. 
my wife is running around the house, freaking out. She's like in full on hysteria. She's screaming. She's jumping up on chairs and furniture. And he said, normally I would get enrolled in that. And I would just start screaming with her. But like, yeah, we would all be all, you know, he said, I just felt warrior. And then I felt lover and the compassion for her, but I had to take command of the situation. And I, I got her calm and I got the situation handled. We got the mouse outside and, uh, and it was handled like that. And he said, I never would have been able to do that before. And then he was saying, I can't wait till the next one comes." right now. He's looking forward to how he can use this. So yeah, it was one of those, you know, there, there's dozens of those kinds of stories where men realize I now have the ability to take command in any situation, whether it's at work or at home. I know how to handle this now by balancing my warrior, my lover. And I have strategies that I go over with the guys in the group, how to actually structure things that you say, that you do, so that you're always coming from king. So that was really one on that. And then, you know, listen, we, we were doing the adventure trips now. We just did one recently. We went to Glacier National Park. We stayed outside Glacier in Montana in a place called Rome Beyond. Awesome, awesome place. It's got these custom campers, these little small campers that are completely off the grid, 100% solar powered, but they have a bed and a shower and a toilet and a kitchen and everybody gets their own. But, you're, so, but we're all outside together. And I had men on that trip. One of them said to me, he goes, I can't believe this is real. Like I've, I've wanted something like this my whole life, just to be with other men in a positive way, like not trying to out macho each other, not trying to outdo each other, not trying to helping each other and being there and being able to talk. And I'll tell you, some of the transformations were really amazing. These, um, I'll tell you two quick, quick stories about it. One guy was in his forties, very high level position, highly educated guy, an attorney. And every night we would build a fire every night together. And we'd sit around the fire and talk like men used to do in the old days. And these guys didn't want to talk till one, two in the morning because we just had amazing, open, real conversation with each other and, and help move each other forward. But the one thing that he said was, I honestly have no idea how to build a fire. And, and he waited till like the second or third day, you know, second day, I think to say that because he was embarrassed by it. Like, you know, here we are, men, we're all there. We're building the fire. And he's like, you know, anxious about saying it because in certain areas you would say like, oh, I don't know how to do that as a man. The other guys are like, ah, what are you, a pussy? You can't, you know, it becomes that. We were like, all right, cool. So tomorrow night you build the fire. We'll help you. We'll give you some guidance and you build the fire. We took pictures and video and he sent them to his kids. And, but it was about not only just the fact that he accomplished that and built the fire, but his brothers were behind him and showed him how to do it in a positive way. So, you know, that was um, one, of the, one of the big things from that. You know, the big takeaway was, we were there for each other. We pushed each other on these challenges. We, we physically, we pushed each other, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally to really kind of tap in. And, and the other big thing, Steve, and this really kind of hit home for me is we have a ceremony that we do on the last day of these trips. I call it the, the circle of honor and we honor each man in turn. It's an amazing experience to hear a number of other men tell you everything that they honor and appreciate about you. Most of us have never experienced anything like that. I know I never did till I started doing this work and all the men, and it happened to be that we, it was the weekend before father's day in June that we finished the trip. And all of them said, I cannot wait to do this for my father. When I get back, some of them were seeing him in person. Some were going to be on the phone or on zoom. And they were like, I just want to tell my father how much I love him the amazing things that he did for me and gave me growing up, what I love and appreciate about him and what he's accomplished in his life. And 
they, they all got back to me afterwards and they said like uh, tears, emotion, uh, just the bonding between the father and the son after that. One guy told me that his brother and sister saw him do it and they were like, oh, we want in on this. And they started doing it. And the father was crying, having that experience and then being able to take that into your personal life at home with your family, but not only that, but into your business life and being able to talk to people on your team who are working for you and honestly and from the heart be able to say, hey, Steve, you know, here's what I really, really appreciate about you and what I'm just in awe of. You know, I love your talent for programming or commanding a team or being here on time, you know, your dedicate, whatever it is being able to honor each other like that. So it's one of the things that I tell people to do more than anything else, because the transformation from that simple thing right there is absolutely amazing. So I want you to try that, Steve, and then you come back and tell me what the response is on it, because it's truly moving and changing and transformational for everybody involved. I want to understand from you, how can we take these experiences and this emotional development and translate that into our work, into Mm -hmm. our managing people. Because I know I was an introvert, really tough to transition into being an extrovert, managing people, connecting with them. Tell us some of your experiences and the experiences of the people you work with and how that manifests itself. The first one would be what we just talked about, honoring. Honor, appreciate, acknowledge. I found that in a lot of places where I worked, people that really did the the majority of the work really were grinding it out every day. A lot of times they're not really the most appreciated. You know, the leaders of the teams get the most accolades. So for me as a leader, it really is about, you know, not over like every day going, Hey, good job. Hey, good job. Hey, good job. Cause then it stops meaning anything. You can go to an employee and just say, you know, Hey, Steve, I I just want to let you know, I really, really appreciate what you did on Thursday. I mean, it was just They really helped me out, helped them out. And I just wanted to let you know, and you can do this in a team meeting. So, you know, it's done with other people and they see that you're doing this, but it does not take much. It really doesn't. I know some people that do this even via email. They might send an email to the whole team and just say, hey guys, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you doing this, 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 and kind of mentioning everybody or do it in a team meeting. It's easy to do. And it's so, so simple, but it's just about honoring, appreciating, acknowledging. Okay. It's not hard. Even if you're not good at communicating, if it's coming from here, they're going to feel it. So that would be one thing that I would do. And you'd be amazed at what that does for your team. You know, look, they do studies all the time and so many companies to show appreciation, they throw more money at people. Here's a bonus. Here's a, I'm going to drive you into the ground, but I'm just going to give you a few more dollars. And most people say that that's not what they're looking for. They want that acknowledgement and appreciation. They want to be part of something and and feel that they are contributing in a major way. Just let them know. It'll it'll change their lives. It'll change yours. Now, I talk about, you know, the warrior, lover, king, queen. We're talking about organizations and hero. So one of the ways you can operate from your hero is by creating kings and queens around you. And that's a little bit beyond appreciation. Imagine what your company would would operate like if everyone from the bottom of the organizational chart all the way through the top was being trained to be their own king and queen. The best that they could be. Taught them about the warrior and their lover and about how to be the best. Maybe you give them, you know, I had one guy that went through my, my boot camp. Uh, and he ran a team and he was ready to go on vacation. And he was dreading it because of all the things he had to do. Well, when we went through the boot camp, he realized, I don't want to have to do this. I'm going to create kings and queens on my team. 
So he went in and he said, all right, everybody, come on in here. This is what I need done. Who wants to you know, head up this? Who wants to head up this? Who wants to head up this? And people volunteered. Oh, I'd love to take that on. And he basically delegated everything he had to do to all these people. And they were so appreciative because they wanted to step into their own king and queen. They wanted to have a sense of responsibility and ownership and leadership even if it's over one little project. And he said, I was able to step back and manage them, go on vacation and be clear. And they were so excited. They couldn't wait till I got back to tell me what they'd accomplished. So do that also. Create kings and queens on your team. And really, you'd be amazed at what people want to do. And again, doesn't matter if you're an introvert. Doesn't matter if you're a great leader yourself. You're now stepping into that leadership role of creating other leaders and really kind of, you know, getting them moving forward in their careers. I have been amazed at what people will do and step up to when given that, you know, that opportunity. So those are two really, really quick things that you can do from that perspective. And then I have one for communications. There's a great way that I tell everybody to communicate from your king and queen. So this is an example I give all the time and it really kind of hits home. So there's a couple of wrong ways to communicate and we do this all the time. We, we do it out of habit and we do it out of um, reflex, a knee-jerk reaction to things that we've been taught. But there's a couple of them that are less than ideal. And one would be this way. So if it's Friday, in the afternoon on Friday, and I come to you, Steve, at your desk and I say, hey, Steve, you know that project that you're working on? I need that on my desk Monday morning. And you know what? It's important that it's on my desk Monday morning. And I know you're going to have to work over the weekend, but that doesn't matter. It's got to get done. Because if it's not on my desk first thing Monday morning, I'm going to have to let you go. How does that feel? Not good at all. <laughs> I feel resentful. They just yeah, well, took away my weekend. What that is, is that's just coming from pure warrior. There's, there's nothing else behind it. And so that's just pure warrior. Now, look, there are times when that's perfectly okay. If I'm a surgeon and I need something from my scrub nurse, nurse, get me the, right? I just, that's it. If on a, on a battlefield, it may be okay. But in 99% of business interactions, it, it really turns us off. But so many do that. Now, if I come from this way, say I do it this way. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Oh, you know, we just love you here. We think everything you do is amazing and you're just so incredible and you're so detail oriented and everything that you do. And we just love you here. But, you know, uh, I really, I hate saying this, but you know, that project that you're working on, I need it Monday. And yeah, I know it means you're going to work over the weekend and God, that sucks. But really there's no other way. And, and, and you know that if you don't get it to me by Monday morning, all kinds of bad stuff's going to happen. And I may, I may have to let you go. And I don't want to have to do that, but I'm going to have to let you go. So, you know, get that to me on Monday. How does that feel? That feels even worse. I know, yeah. Because <laughs> it feels like yeah, they're not being yeah. genuine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. It's fake. It's phony. I call it the Lumberg effect. If you've seen Office Space, right? That character Lumberg was so great. It's very fake. It's very phony. What I find is that your defenses go up immediately, right? Because you're like, oh, there's some BS headed my way. Like this is, they're just blowing smoke and something's coming. What that really is, is that's coming from lover first and almost a weak lover because it's it feels manipulative rather than like wisdom, guidance, creativity, nurturing. It feels more manipulative, scheming, looking to get something up, passive aggressive even. That's the limiting side of the, of the lover. But it, so it's disingenuous. And then there's like a warrior at the end where it's like, and I'm going to have to fire you. 
the right way to do it is exactly the order that I give you, which is leading with your warrior, supporting with your lover. That's how you become king and queen. So the companies that I work with, and the leaders that I work with, I always tell them, always remember you're coming from king and queen. So the way that I would do it this way and tell me how this feels is I might say, hey, Steve, how you doing? Um, we've made a decision. And the decision is that project that you're working on right now. I need that on my desk Monday morning. Now, look, I understand that means you have to work over the weekend, but we looked at this thing a dozen different ways, and this is really the only way that it works. So here's what we're going to do. Since you're going to have to work over the weekend, I'm going to make sure that you have the cell number of everybody on your team. So if you need support or need anything, they're there for you as well. I'm going to give you my cell number. I'm going to be available all weekend. If you need my support or guidance in any way, I'm here for you too. The reason is because if I don't have it on my desk Monday, uh, there's going to be some consequences. I think you understand that. We're not even going to go there. We have confidence in you. We believe you can get this thing done. So do you have any questions for me? How'd that feel? That felt better. That felt honest. Yeah. I understand what needs to be done and I have to step up to the plate. Right. And, and it's belief in you. So really, if you look at the warrior side of that, I led with, we made a decision, right? Which is a warrior trait, deciding decision is warrior. Right. We it also means we can't negotiate this. Right. We, we, we've looked at it a bunch of ways and this is the decision we've made. Now it may not be ideal for you. You've got to work the weekend, but at least you know where we stand, right? Adult to adult, we know where we stand. And then there's the lover side comes in the support. Make sure the team is there for you. I'm going to be there for you. And we believe in you. We know you're going to get this done. There's no way you're going to fail. You have our back and we're here if you have any questions. That's warrior lover structure. This works for everything. And I can tell you from years and years of using this and giving this to my clients, I've had them fight me. <laughs> fight me, Steve, and tell me, Eric, no. I've had two situations where women that I was working with had to fire people. And one of them fought me for about a half hour because she wanted to come from the lover side first. But Eric, I want to tell her it was a contract worker. I've been working for her for about eight years and the work was slipping. She was no longer going to be working with her. She said, no, but I want to tell her how much she means to me and that she's done such great stuff. And I want to tell her. And I said, don't do that because just like in the example I gave you, it doesn't sound genuine. You know, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Defenses go up immediately and you're waiting for it. I said, come from the warrior side first. Hey, Susie, I've made a decision. I'm not going to be able to work with you anymore. And here's why. Bing, bing, bing. Now, I want you to understand, I really appreciated the eight years that you put in. You did some phenomenal work for me during that time. And I'm happy to give you a letter of recommendation or an introduction or provide your testimonial for the great work that you did do while you were here. I'm happy to do that. I wish you all the best of luck. Do you have any questions? Easiest way in the world. Decision. Here's why. And then the lover side and the support on the back end. And she fought me and ended up doing it that way. She couldn't wait to call me. She goes, Eric, it was the easiest firing I ever had to do. As soon as I said I made a decision and told her why, she interrupted me and said, you know what? You're right. If I really look at it, I, my work has been terrible lately. And I haven't been. And she understood. And another client of mine runs a big law firm. And they had to let a, a lawyer go. And that can always be tricky, <laughs> right? And she said, I've always done it in the past, leading with the lover side. And I always wonder why I'd get into an argument with them. So she flipped it and came from the word. I've made a decision. Here's the decision. Here's why. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're supporting you. And she goes, and they just kind of go, okay. It, it ends on a much easier level. I had the exact same experience. I had to lay off people. And you pick the people to lay off first who aren't performing. Right. And I didn't know how to do it. So it was very tough at the beginning. But then I came up with the idea 
that I just needed to be direct with them at first, direct and give no room, wiggle room. This is what we decided. It's not working out. Not, you, you know, we've already given them warnings and sure. they didn't perform at the level we needed them to perform. So they're going to be laid off. And then after that, I turned on my heart and said, look, I know you're a nice person. You know, we've had good relationships and I want to support you. And bam, that worked. And the reason why it works is because look, it's our journey. It's the story. It's what Joseph Campbell said was the monomyth is, you know, our own story and, and who we are. And it speaks to us, right? Because we're used to that. It's when it comes to us one without the other or flipped that we just kind of, it doesn't feel right. And so that's why I tell leaders, again, it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or not. It's just a structure. It's a strategy. And when you stick to it, everything seems to work and people get it. And I tell the companies that I work with, this isn't just a, how to give instructions or, you know, a directive. It's not just boss worker. This is also, you know, when I was running teams, I had 20 people who, when I first came to the company, wanted to kill each other. They were trying to tear each other down. It was like hunger games in there, right? Survival of the fittest. And we kind of turned it into this. And I said, this is how I want you to talk to each other from now on. Right. I want you to lead with this direct, right? This is the decisions that are made. Here's what I need you to do. Here's your responsibilities. Here's what I'm going to do to support you on that. And boom. And that's how they talk to each other now. And they're very aware now of how they structure things and how they say them. And again, Steve, this works at home. I have had clients of mine that have families, even little kids. And they're like, I talk to my five-year-old like this now. And it's amazing. She listened. I go, yeah, because it's part of who we are. Little kids, as soon as you come to them and you go, well, Susie, you know, mommy loves you and thinks you're amazing, but you know, you were a bad girl and I don't want you to feel bad, but you're a bad girl and I don't, and now you're grounded, right? It's like backwards. And the kid's like, man, they get all crazy. When you go and you go, Susie, listen, you know, daddy and I made a decision and we're going to ground you for, you know, whatever it is, two days a day an hour if it's a five-year-old kid, right? We're going to ground you. And here's the reason why we had an agreement. You knew that if you left your toys around the, you know, the stairwell, stairway, that somebody could get hurt and you were going to put them away immediately. You didn't do that. So here's why it's happening. Now, this doesn't mean we don't love you. We love you very much. And you're a great kid, but blah, 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 blah. See what I mean? Kids respond to it. So that's one of those things that they, they can use universally. There's no complicated acronyms you have to remember. And basically, warrior, lover, come from your king or queen, and they will respond to it favorably. That is great advice, life advice for everything you do. Now, before we wrap up, I would like to know, what was your personal lowest moment in your life? And how did you get out of that? You know, there were a couple, but I think the most recent I'll, I'll get into. Um, I've had a couple of times in my life where I, I literally didn't feel I needed to be here anymore. I really felt like if I was gone, things would be better or I couldn't handle what was going on. And so maybe a reboot, maybe I just kind of go. And the most recent of that, I think was about five years ago. I had really started working in the work that I do now, the, the inner work, the, the meditation work, the growth. You know, I was still chasing dollars and I felt like bank account is really what made you a man, what made you a success. Wealth to me didn't mean what it means to me today. Wealth today is wealth of friends, wealth of knowledge, wealth of joy, wealth of love, wealth of money is included in that, but just abundance. Like I feel wealthy right now, Steve, that you and I reconnected and I'm here on your podcast and you were on my podcast. But at the time it was financial wealth was really where it was. And I was chasing dollars and I was miserable. 
and I wasn't living my purpose, what I felt was my purpose. And my bank account was dwindling. It wasn't where I wanted it to be. I wasn't in a great relationship. I really honestly got very real and raw with myself. My first impression was, well, I don't like people very much. I don't like being around people. I don't like people. That was just not looking at it for what it really was. And what it really was, was I don't like myself. I really, really don't like who I am, who I become. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like who I'm being. And that was brutal to really feel that. And, you know, here I was being the nice guy on the outside, like friendly, nice guy. Hey, I want you all to like me. I want you all to like me, but I didn't like myself. Not being honest, no courage. I was at a low point and I felt like, you know, it would be better if I just left. Fortunately, I had a very strong community of friends around me who were all very also dedicated to their own growth and they were not going to let this happen to me. And they stepped in, really took a look at what it was that I was doing. What does wealth really look like? And it came out of it. And that's really what brought me out of it, Steve, was a complete new look at, at, at who I am as a, as a person. What value do I bring? What value can I get from others? And, and how do we really make this world a much, much better place? And there's in the, in the work that I do, there's four questions that we ask. And I really asked myself these four questions and got into them. And the first is, what kind of person do I really want to be? The second is, what kind of people do I want around me? Who do I want to in my, my closest network? What do they want to be? And I found that it's much easier to answer question number two. I want people that are strong and inspirational. But, and what you come to realize is what you're naming in number two is really who you need to be number one. The third question is, what kind of world do I want to live in? I want to live in a world that, you know, where leaders lead for the greater good, where we live in harmony with nature, where everybody's got plenty of food to eat, all these kind of things. What kind of world do I want to live in? And the fourth question is, well, what am I doing and who am I being to make that happen? So really looking at those four questions is what got me out of that. And the realization that everything in my life has led me to this point. There hasn't been a challenge that I haven't overcome because here I am. As hard as all that felt and as much as I thought certain things were going to kill me or take me down or ruin my life or destroy me, no, here I am. I made it through all of them, which means I can make it through any of them. And so who I need to be and who I can be and who I am being is going to answer question number four and what I'm going to do and, and leave that legacy. And I realized I'm not done here yet. I need to get on purpose. I need to move forward and I need to really help other people move forward. And that's what pulled me out of it and got me where I am now. And anytime I get into that, Steve, anytime, because those thoughts still bubble up, that voice in the back of the head that says, yeah, you're garbage and you're not doing anything and stuff sucks and life is, it's just fake. It's false. It's fear. It's all these things coming in and, and it's being aware of that now and moving forward. So yeah, that would be the, the biggest one for me. Well, that's a really moving story. And I can see how where you are now came out of that. Hundred percent. We we are a product of all these things, and so I would my biggest advice that I would give and say, if you're going through some stuff right now and it looks horrible, business is imploding, relationships are imploding, whatever it is, embrace it, love it, know that it's going to move you forward and make you stronger. It really sucks right now, and we all go through. I don't care where you are on the elevation level, where you are on your path. This stuff comes up, and it sucks. When you get past it, you got to go through tonight to get to tomorrow. When you get to tomorrow, you're going to look back and go, wow, man, I really love that that happened because now I am this much stronger for it. 
And that's kind of how I look at it. Thank you so much for sharing your world with us. I think a lot of people can benefit from this. And I would like you now to tell our audience how they can get a hold of you, how they can find you. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate that. And again, Steve, really, it is an honor, truly, to be able to come on and talk about it. And hopefully the people that are listening get some value out of even one little thing. How do they find me? A couple of ways. Great way is to go to boldmenadventures.com, B-O-L-D-M-E-N adventures.com. You can hear about the stuff that we're doing, what's coming up. And there's a a link there where you can get on my mailing list and you'll hear from me and, and you can get great stuff. The other thing I tell people to do, and this is how I know who's bold and who has courage and who's made decisions and is ready to go is find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Eric Rogel on LinkedIn and find me and connect with me and talk to me. I'm here. I want to hear your story. So definitely, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn is a great way to go. I post some really fun stuff on LinkedIn a lot. And then, you know, listen to the podcast. I have an upcoming episode with this guy, Steve Hoffman, Captain Hoff. He's got a great story and he's going to be one of my upcoming episodes. So look for warriors, lovers, kings, and heroes. I'm on every platform and then they can hear your episode too. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.